Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Dallin Bestwick here. Brennan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Going YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Rafael Sard. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm here with Ethan. Connor will be here for the segments two and three, but I am here to recap Sunday's race at Martinsville Speedway. First race at Martinsville of the year, race number nine of the 2023 Cup Series season. And uh, we'll break it all down here in a second. First off, though, this episode is brought to you by Washington on the Daily on Instagram and Twitter at WSH on the Daily for all your Washington Commanders news and updates as the team gets closer and closer to being sold. I think it'll happen in the next couple weeks. Snyder out. Josh Harris group in. Keep up to date on all your Commanders news and updates if you are a Washington fan at Washington on the Daily on Instagram and Twitter as well as SpoilerDieCast.com. Use code QUICKPIT, all caps, no spaces at checkout on all orders, $20 or more. For a sp- uh, free shipping on your order of your newest 2022-2023 and whatever old stuff you might find on there as well. Because they do have some pretty cool old stuff. Uh, some neat finds that I didn't know were still available. Uh, go to SpoilerDieCast.com for all your NASCAR diecast and Sprint Card diecast, IndyCar diecast, just about any diecast is on that website. Check them out. Link in the description below. Finally, 213Simware.com. You'll hear more about them in the third segment for our race preview. So Martinsville, first race in Martinsville with this revamped short track package for the next-gen car. It was not great. They desperately need more horsepower, desperately need something to change these cars. It was all right at Richmond. It actually produced a pretty good race at Richmond, but uh, there's just not enough banking. Uh, The cars have too much brake at Martinsville, and they, they really need to change it. So... To break down the race, Ryan Priest starts on pole, wins the first stage, leads 135 laps on the day, then speeds on pit road, and so he will fall back uh, all the way to the to the mid 20s, back of the line, and is never able never able to recover because you just couldn't pass. The passing was terrible. It was a, a right around the track. The race was. Not terrible to watch, but overall just not very entertaining. And, you know, they need to fix it. Because Martinsville used to be one of the best, one of the greatest tracks on the schedule. One of the races you look forward to every single year. And now it's not. I mean, we come back here in the fall. If nothing's changed, I will not be excited for this race. Uh, We'll get into the top ten here in a moment. But uh, Kevin Harvick comes home. In 20th, but he does win a stage. That's why I'm going to mention him here as well. He led 20 laps, wins stage two. So Stuart Haas Racing, who had probably their best overall race of the season. All four cars were fast up front, uh, leading laps and uh, competitive all day. Uh, But uh, Harvick for Stuart Haas and Ryan Priest come home with the stage wins. But then they do not come home with the solid finishes at the end of the day. But good points day. For both of them, uh, grabbing 32 points each for finishing so far back in the pack. Now to get into our top 10. Coming home in 10th, Chase Elliott, his first race back from an injury. 
uh, that he sustained before the Las Vegas race. He missed uh, five races, six races, five races, six races on the schedule. Comes back, uh, runs mid-pack all day, but had a solid final pit stop, solid final run. Drove his car up to 10th place, top 10, first race back for Elliott. Coming home in 9th after starting 9th is Bubba Wallace. Solid day for him. Went down a lap uh, at least once, but managed to gain it back with some strategy. And gets another top 10, I believe his second of the year. That, That team desperately needed a good run. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. continues his hot streak with another top 10. Now his fourth on the year with his eighth place finish. That team has definitely taken a step forward. And it's really cool to see they're still 13th in points. Mighty, mighty impressive for the 47 team. And they're really taking a, taking a leap this year. I wonder how much the Daytona 500 money is helping them. But regardless, I've been really impressed. With the 47 team as of late. We'll see if they can keep the momentum at uh, Talladega this week. Which has always been a good track for Stenhouse. And Dover next week as well. Um, They finished second there last year. So uh, more good tracks for Stenhouse up on the schedule. Ryan Blaney finishes seventh. Solid day for him. He needed a good run. Uh, Always runs well at Martinsville. Eric Almirola comes home in sixth. Started third, was battling for the lead at one point, never could uh, get up front to lead even a single lap, but he was a factor all day. And that team really needed a good run because they were sitting, they were buried in the standings. This uh, top 10, their first of the year, gets them a little bit of momentum, moves them up to 26th place in the point standings, but uh, keep stacking those results and they can climb back up through the field. Chase Briscoe led 109 laps, looked to be a favorite to win late. Ultimately did not quite get it done, but his second straight top five on the year uh, as he finishes fifth and he moves into 14th in the uh, point standings, moves into playoff position. Uh, so Briscoe, after a rough start to the year, is slowly building uh, building points, building finishes. Uh, he has finished in the top 15 in four straight races, in the top five in two straight races. He's climbed from, uh, he was 26th in points. After Atlanta, he's now 15th. He's gained 11 spots in the last four races. So good good streak going for Chase Briscoe, and we'll see how he can do next week at Talladega. Denny Hamlin led 36 laps, finishes fourth. Led late, but ultimately lost the lead on a late caution. Martin Trix Jr. was out to lunch most of the afternoon. However, he climbed back, uh, scratched and clawed his way back to the front and finished third. Joey Logano was also terrible most of the afternoon. There's a late caution for uh, Anthony Alfredo lo- losing his wheel in the midst of a the, the green flag pit cycle that shook up the field because it was hard to pass. A lot of these guys in the top 10 were not there all day. You had guys like uh, Daniel Suarez, who was up front most of the afternoon, and he ultimately did not come home with a good result. You had someone like Todd Gilland, who was really great for most of the afternoon. Brad Kozlowski was the top 10 car most of the afternoon. Uh, Gilliland dropped a cylinder. Kozlowski made a bad strategy called surprise, surprise. Eric was not happy with that. But a lot of guys who ran in the top 10 most of the day did not end up finishing in the top 10. Logano ran 25th all day and managed to finish in the top 10, in, in the top five. So really impressive run for Logano as they keep grinding out finishes. 
this moves them now to Logano's team. They've they've struggled a little bit recently. They're they're in seventh place in the point standings now, and they've got that win at Atlanta in their back pocket. And your race winner is Kyle Larson, uh, who self-confessed uh, many times in the past that Martinsville was his worst track. He hated going there. Didn't even have a spot picked out in his house where he could put a potential grandfather clock. Well, guess what, Kyle? You've got one now. Second win of the season. Moves him into fourth in the point standings. He's already led 468 laps, and he's been incredible at the short tracks as his other win came at Richmond. Um, now, get this. All four Hendrick drivers have won at Martinsville in the last four years. Each year, each of the last four seasons... Hendrick Driver has won one of the Martinsville races. Just one, and it's been a different guy each year. Chase Elliott won in 2020 in a uh, elimination race to lock himself into the championship that race that year in which he eventually won. Alex Bowman spun Danny Hamlin out late. That was the hack race to win in uh, 2021. William Byron won this spring race last year under the lights. Now cold, and, and that race was awful. Uh, nobody could pass at all. This race was better than that one. Um, Byron won last spring in 2022, and you got Kyle Larson winning here now. So uh, the, Hendrick continues their impressive streak. Um, Chevrolet continues their impressive streak as well, as they've won six of nine races this year. And uh, Hendrick now has four wins already. Larson. Already having a really solid year. Byron as well. Alex Bowman finished 11th. He continues his good run. And uh, Elliott's back as well. For so that whole team continues to click on all cylinders. Although Byron did not have a good day at all. He finished 23rd. Really am not sure exactly what happened to him there. So of course we talked about how poor this race was. How there doesn't seem like there's much they can do because they've already started taking downforce off these cars for the short track package. I don't understand the hesitancy with the horsepower. There, Jeff Andrews of Hendrick Motorsports, the, the former head of the engine department there, has said it would take a month or a year to, to 12 to 18 months if they made the decision now to say boost the horsepower to 800 that it would take over a year just to get the parts in. That it's almost too late already if we wanted to make a change for next year. We'd almost be looking at the following year. And I say, I don't understand that. If NASCAR... Now, this is me being extremely uneducated. You're, if you're listening right now, you're probably yelling at me for... You're going to yell at me when I say this. But if you... If NASCAR comes out and says, listen, we, we realize we need more horsepower, right? So, teams, whatever you do, you can run up to 1,000 horsepower next week. We'll, we'll dyno the engines there at the track. As long as you're below 1,000 horsepower, or at or below 1,000 horsepower, you're good to go. Do you think the teams would show up with that? Do you think the teams would be able to do that? Yes. Of course they would. I I, I really think, I, I think your your big teams would be able to, to show up and do that. Like, I, this is the top stock car racing series in the world. 
This is one of the, 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 even if it's not respected, this is one of the top racing series in the world, even if it's not respected as much internationally as it should be. And you're running 670 horsepower. You've got Mustang and Camaro on the front of your cars. And, and you're running 670 horsepower. There's street cars. Dodge is making street cars that have 800 horsepower. The Camaro has, I, I believe, has a model that has more horsepower than the cup car has. I think the Mustang as well. You're telling me NASCAR. NASCAR's excuse for all this, for dropping the horsepower, is that the, the teams wanted to save money and that they're trying to attract a new manufacturer. Tell me this. If Dodge keeps putting out muscle cars with more horsepower than your race cars, maybe it's the fact that you dropped it. That you you lowered the horsepower. That's what's keeping them away. If I'm Dodge, I don't want to be associated with a series that has such little horsepower. I want it to go up because Dodge is the one of the premier, you know, muscle American muscle cars you can find. And and I mean it's just it's kind of embarrassing that, you know, I, I feel like all the drivers, all the teams, you know, Denny Hamlin said on Actions Detrimental or on Twitter, one of those, he said, NASCAR, just give us a race with as much horsepower as we're asking for. And if it doesn't work, we'll shut up. NASCAR doesn't even want to try. Maybe it's because they know it'll fix it. I think it'll fix it. I think adding horsepower would fix most of the tracks on the schedule if we go up to 800, 850, 900 horsepower. But nope, we're stuck at uh, is 670 horsepower, and uh, there's not much we can do with it. The racing is struggling, and uh, you know, it, it just—I don't get it. And, and, and I'm, I'm working on trying to get an interview with some engine builder, maybe Yates or, or, or maybe Hendrick. I don't know, but hopefully we can get an interview with them to, to really ask them why is this the case. What would you do if NASCAR just opened up the rule book? Would you You're telling me you're telling me Chevrolet doesn't have some some eight hundred horsepower engines sitting in the back of their shops. You're telling me RCR and Hendrick don't have those sitting around. You you're telling me Roush and Penske don't have some, some big old engines sitting around that they could they could tune up. I, I, I don't buy it. I, I really, really don't buy it and, and I really hope they can do something about it here. That'll do it for this week's uh, race recap because I'm still kind of angry about this. <laughs> but before we go on to our new segment with Connor and I, uh, smooth move of the week. I'm going to give it to the truck series for at least attempting the rain tires, even though the uh, deployment was not effective. I think they should try them when it's a little bit wetter and they should actually commit to racing in them and not just when it's 95% dry and it's saving you five minutes. That's not helping anyone. That's that's not cutting costs for teams, whatever. But uh, props to them for trying it. I didn't think they would actually try them, really. I thought, really, uh, after how it went at Richmond when they wouldn't practice and qualify in them, that I, I really thought this would all be for show and that NASCAR would never really want to try them because if you're not going to try them in practice or qualifying, why would you run them in a race? But they ran them. They ran them in a race, and, and that is impressive, and that's kind of cool that we we have ran in the, the, at least in the damp. We've ran in the not dry at an oval, and that's something NASCAR can pat themselves on the back for, and that, I found, was impressive. Coming up next, 
Connor and I will recap our news of the week, followed by, in the third segment, 213 Simware Race Preview segment, we will uh, give you our picks for the upcoming race at Talladega. But up next, news on the Quick Fit Podcast. back to the quick pit podcast you made it to segment two of this week's show or weekly news recap uh this segment is brought to you by spoilerdiecast.com use code quick pit all caps no spaces on any order twenty dollars or more for free shipping helps us out helps you out uh go there for all your latest uh diecast there's some uh 2023 next gen diecast in stock already uh, the Lionel is finally catching up from all the delays from the supply chain issues a couple of years ago and COVID and such, and they're able to get them out earlier and earlier in the season. So go over there. Some of the newest diecasts from this season and last season, spoilerdiecast.com, all in one place. We, we've had a, a, another pretty busy news week, Connor, I'd say. A couple penalty things, some new drivers added to NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers list. It's, it's, uh, we got a full slate. Yeah, it seems to be, uh, you, know, you know, there's more news, but it kind of seems like to be the same thing each week. Some penalties and some more drivers added to the top 75. So always cool to cover the top 75 and uh, these penalties. Man, these teams are, NASCAR's not playing around this year, and uh, these teams are they're taking, taking the pay for it. So uh, unfortunate for the teams that keep hitting these penalties, but uh some two very good drivers that were also added to 75 list, which I'm excited for. Let's start with the penalties and work our way to the to the better news. So this afternoon, this is Wednesday, we're, we're recording this segment on the 19th of April at 3.54 Eastern Time. Uh, the three team of Austin Dillon received an L1 penalty. Um, they will lose 60 points. Crew Chief Keith Rodden has been fined $75,000 and suspended for the next two points races. Uh, as I said, the team and driver uh, all lost 60 points and five playoff points as well. Uh, I believe the penalty drops him from he was 21st in points. And now I think he'll be let me let me figure it out here quick. Um, he'll probably be mid mid 20s now. Um, the, the penalty will drop him all the way to 29th. In the point standing. So this is a big hit for a driver that often has to point himself in. He's often in contention for the last playoff spot or two. But at this point, he probably needs a win. And even if he he needs a win or a lot of points, and the way you get a lot of points is by winning. So at this point, I think the, the driver of the three needs to go out and win a race before the playoffs start if he wants to make it there. Oh, yeah. and I, He always seems to come through. It's, it's weird. He's yeah. the driver that would always come through. He'll get a penalty or whatever. He'll need a win. Like, he can't put himself in and needs a win. He'll go win a race. So, um, I'm not worried worried yet for him. Um, I think there's plenty of races that he could just show up for and, you know, start start doing well. Um, the Bristol Dirt was a great example. Had a fast car. Um, was also on dirt. Took advantage of that and was up there off, up there in the front challenging for a race win. So, I'm not worried uh, quite yet. It's not – you, of course, don't want it. But, you know, I, I'm – you know, I'm sure in that team that – 
organization, that driver, are all capable of getting a big time win. But what I will say, which is really, which I've noticed, is all these penalties are coming from Chevrolet manufactured teams. And, you know, you had the first two with HMS, you had HMS twice, and you're like, oh no, what's HMS doing? Had colleague, which was more colleague news on that penalty. And now you have Richard Childress Racing, and you're like, all right, these are all Chevy teams. Of course, you had, you know, Hamlin's uh, penalty or whatever it was, just, but that was on race. But these, Chevy teams are getting caught with pieces or parts or adjustments to certain parts of the race car that are not allowed. So, you know, now it's like, all right, what, what, are, what are they really doing? And, um, you know, they need to stop because I'm tired of my team, HMS and Bowman, getting, getting penalties called on them. So just an interesting thing to point out there. Yeah, so it, the NASCAR's NASCAR.com says the team violated the overall assembled vehicle rules relating to the underwing assembly and hardware. So um, I don't know exactly what part of the car that is, but it's probably something error-related underneath the car. Um, So, you know, these teams are starting to mess with the cars, um, which is interesting. Um, And what's also interesting, I don't know if you noticed this, Connor, but when all the – when when, – when NASCAR lost the Hendrick appeal, um, they made a whole bunch of changes to the rule book in, in terms of how the appeals process worked and uh, some of the other stuff they were going to start doing, including uh, they would start displaying the, the illegal parts that they confiscated uh, at the hauler during race weekends. Um, but they, they, they've kind of uh, started cracking down on this. And, and I think... Uh, oh yeah, and the other thing is that a couple of weeks ago they also confirmed that the uh, when they take cars back to R and D, um, it's not random anymore. That they so this week the three car and the forty one car uh, got chosen by NASCAR. NASCAR uh, picked them out to go to R and D. So it makes you wonder: Did they see something on the three car this weekend? Because surprise, surprise, they got penalized for for uh, an improper modification. Yeah, and that's the interesting part that you know they can kind of pick and choose who they want to go, who they want to bring to R and D, and I think they had to have seen something or had to have seen someone that just looked off for them to, because of course they want to make the you know make the field as even as possible. That was what the whole new car thing was all about, make it even. And if they're they're going to try to crack down on anybody, any team, any driver, any owner, and any anyone that's trying to bend the rules or cross that fine line of the rules and they're going to want to try to you know make them have a penalty so i think they most definitely saw something on the three car or something that kind of poked one of their eyes and they thought all right let, let's bring it back to r&d and let's get a closer look on it i think that's interesting moving forward for all the teams to kind of be aware of um ab- about and what's also interesting with the whole hms thing once they lose the penalty that they brought the 48 and 24 cards back you know that you know still doesn't sit well with me always they always felt like they were looking for to give hms a penalty because they lost the first one kind of a salty move well unless it's the same thing here where they saw the car at the race that weekend and they were like hold on that doesn't look right let's go check it out you know um 
And that one was relating to the to the windshield wiper mounting and stuff like that. Uh, which that was like one of the one of the first races with the new wet weather package for for ovals. So I think Hendrick thought they had found a loophole there and ex- tried to exploit something with the mounting of the wiper and and it just didn't work. Uh, but regardless, I, I do like that they're they're keeping these they're keeping the teams accountable in multiple different ways and uh, pursuing fairness in the sport, which ultimately I think we want all the teams to be at least on the same legal playing field. Um, if, if you find uh, legal ways to get faster, be my guess, but uh, let's not be uh, straight up cheating here. Um, speaking of keeping things fair, uh, NASCAR requested uh, a colleague after they lost their appeal a couple weeks ago for their Phoenix Raceway hood louvers penalty. Um, they sent it to the final appeals officer. NASCAR requested that the final appeals officer um who uh, shoot what's his name I, I thought i had his name here um for for this instance is bill mollis nascar requested that he remove the the driver and playoff points um in the interest of fairness so nascar basically said in a statement we still think we were right and we want to penalize these teams but because the two different appeals Panels ruled differently on the same case, giving one team their points back and the other panel did not give the other team their points back. They're giving colleague their points back just to keep things fair on the competition side. So this moves Justin Haley back into a pretty solid spot in the point standings. But Connor, your, your thoughts on this uh, instance? Yeah, I agree with it. I agree that NASCAR did the right thing here. Um, you had two teams having the same exact penalty and one team got you know, had the fines and four four race suspension for the crew chiefs, but they got all their points back. So why is this other team that has the same exact thing not getting their points back? And I agree, NASCAR kind of had to put it like, yeah, we we, we don't agree with this at all. We both believe that each MSA and college should deserve their penalties, but um, in interest, I, I like that move. You know what? It, it's fair. Um, can't have the same penalty uh, issue to teams and pretty much same thing and not have – and have one get away with it and one not. So I agree. It's it's the right it's the right decision by NASCAR. Yeah. So the penalty uh, or getting the points back will move Justin Haley from thirty second in points um, after the Austin Dillon penalty as well. Move Haley all the way up to twenty fourth in points, while Dillon will fall down to 29th. So pretty big swing there. Um, but overall, I think it's the right move in the interest of fairness, and and we can finally put this whole thing to bed. I was like, think I was listening to SiriusXM this morning, and they're like, we can finally call this all off. We can stop talking about p- appeals panels and penalties. And then Austin Dillon went and got popped. But you know, that's uh, that that that's unrelated in 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 this uh, case. So. For the final major bit of news this week, we've got uh, two new additions to the NASCAR 75 greatest drivers list uh, from NASCAR themselves. Um, And and, uh, Connor, who's our first one? Who do you want to talk about first? We've had two coming in this week. Well, I'll I'll start off with Greg Biffle um, as a driver that I remember racing uh, in that 16 car uh, for many years there when I started getting into NASCAR. Uh, both these drivers we'll talk about, um, including Greg Biffle, are both deserving of this. This is no like thing we had last week where we were on the edge about one guy, and then uh, 
uh, you know, that little instance that happened since we're done recording that that guy that we were talking about and Kyle Larson ended up being on the list. But today's Wednesday. We're not expecting any of that today. Uh, maybe tomorrow, but not for today. So Greg Biffle, uh, yeah, he is he is very deserving of it. Um, you know, I kind of watched the tail end of his career. He, you know, ran a Daytona 500 here and there um, after he retired. But yeah, he was one of those drivers that you know I kind of remembered. You know, with Jeff Gordon, like you know, not on that success level, but just a guy that during that time that you you know were like, all right, this guy's a chance of winning. To, you know, has a chance of winning. You know, he can uh, have a good run, and he had a very good career, and uh, he's he's deserving of this. Yeah, I mean, I I also remember Greg Biffle uh, racing a little bit. I re- I think I remember watching what ended up being his final win in 2013 at Michigan. Um, he was a really solid driver for for a good for a good period of time. Um, ended up with 19 career wins, a best career points finish of second, which came in 2005. He also finished third in points in 2008 and fifth in points in 2012. He's ran re- races as recently as 2022 last year in the 44 car for um, New York racing. He did not do very well in those races, but he's, he did compete. Um, and overall, a, a really solid driver on this list, as much for his accolades outside of cup as for uh, his racing inside of cup, as he won 20 Xfinity series races in the 20, uh, 2002 championship. Uh, in the Xfinity series, and uh, he won 17 races in the truck series, in which he won the year 2000 championship. He also won nine races in the truck series in 1999 and didn't win the title then. But regardless, he has he ended up with a lot of uh, wins across the top three series, a couple championships. Uh, ultimately, did not come home with the uh, Cup championship, but he he joins a pretty prestigious list of guys to have won titles in multiple NASCAR series. And uh, like you said, not uh, an all-time great, but certainly one of the best from that class that debuted in the early 2000s. Yeah, he's one He's one to remember, and he's very much deserving of this, and I'm glad he's on it. Yeah, so Sterling Marlin's the other one who won two Daytona 500s in his career. Uh, 10 total career wins. He uh, had the be- his best career finish in the points was in uh, 2001, in which he finished third. However, in 2002, he was leading the points uh, up until he broke his back um, late in the season uh, in a crash that uh, ultimately uh, um, sidelined him for the rest of the year. He led the points that entire season, though, and was the championship favorite at the time of the injury. So that injury doesn't happen. Uh, we might be talking about Sterling Marlin as the, the champion from that year instead of Tony Stewart. But like I said, two Daytona 500 wins, uh, a, a very long historic career. He's His first career race came at age 19 in 1976. His final cup race came at age 52 in 2009, a 33-year career and one of the all-time great personalities in the Cup Series garage. Oh, yeah. He uh, had a very long and successful career. Um, had those two, you know, never got that championship, but as I said, with the injury, and he, uh, he had those two Daytona 500s. So this dude, uh, you know, he was, you know, never got to that, you know, ultimate, ultimate, you know, championship winning driver, but he, he was there. He competed for a championship, um, and he just – 
he is also deserving of 75 top 25 NASCAR driver. And he had, he was one of those guys that um, would always, you know, he was a racer. And as you said, he was a, he had a very good personality and um, Ethan mentioned to it. I haven't got a chance to, but go listen. What'd you say a couple months ago, right? Dale, yeah, this on- year on the download, Biffle was on the download this year too, actually. And both were, were really good interviews. Yeah, so go check those out. Um, both both these drivers very, very, very deserving of this top seventy five nod. Yeah, I I want to add that um, last year when we debated whether Larson or Elliott should get on the list, um, these were the kinds of guys I was thinking of when I was like, I hope that if Larson and Elliott get on the list, they don't kick off your Greg Biffles or your Casey Canes or or anyone like that. So I am really glad that uh this did not that that these two got on because these were the guys i was worried wouldn't get on if we put more modern active drivers on the list yeah and you know um you know you don't know you know you want these older guys that had great careers to be there in darlington this year um you know for, for them to get recognized for what they did in the sport and you know a lot of these guys like the sport wouldn't be that be where it is today without them. And you want to, you know, recognize them, give them their praise for what they did, what their careers were like. And you, you don't want, you don't want like a Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott to take that from them. You know, these guys will be around for years to come and they, their careers are really just getting started when you think of it. So these guys could be, we mentioned, we, I don't want to get in the conversation we had last week, but these guys can easily be on the top 100. And I'm fine with these guys being, you know, on the top 75, as long as guys like Greg Biffle, Casey Kane, as she said, make these because you don't know, you know, diseases, you know, you want these guys to be there and get their praise. So uh, it's, it's important for these two guys that, you know, made it. Yeah. In, in the case of Sterling Marlin, um, he has Parkinson's and, uh, you know, the way that disease works, it's a, it, it, over time, you, your condition deteriorates. And, and right now he's still relatively healthy. And so, you, you want to be able to bring him back. I hope he's back at, uh, at Darlington and, you know, the crowd can give him a big, uh, big amount of recognition. And, and it's, um, it's cool to see that he was able to, to get on the list. And, and uh, I, I'm glad that they, they added him, even though he didn't end up having a, uh, like the counting stats are not great. He's definitely a historical driver for, for NASCAR. He ran, um, let me see here. Oh, I, I I lost it. But he ended up running over 700 Cup Series races in his career. That there's not many drivers that can that have that many races under their belt. Yeah, uh, it's cool that they honored him. It's cool because they deserve it and they need to get their recognition for what they did. And you know what? I'm happy. I'm I'm really happy with these two. Yeah, absolutely. So. Any more news for this week, or, or we can move on to our Talladega preview? Let's move on to the Big Banks Talladega preview. All right, that's coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast.
Welcome back to the Quip Hit Podcast. You made it to the third and final segment of this week's show, which we will be previewing the Talladega race this coming up this weekend coming up in the 213simware.com race preview segment. Um, we got a big race this weekend. You know, this is a racetrack where you might have your Ricky Stenhouses winning a race and get into the playoffs. And, you know, you had Atlanta, but Atlanta wasn't I don't know what I call, what I call Atlanta yet. I, I say this is the second speed super speedway on the schedule. Second true super speedway, I guess you could say. And I'm really excited for this weekend. Yeah, I well, I'm excited. I don't love the package. Um, but you know, they, they don't seem to be able to race as much as they did at the on the old super speedway package in Gen 4 or Gen 4 in, in the Gen 6 car. However, um, Talladega always ends up with a good race. I think in general, uh, it, it's at least compelling to watch. Um, and like you said, there's a chance of underdogs. So before we get any further, why don't you start with the track facts? Yeah, so we're at Talladega this weekend at Geico 500. Talladega, Alabama, 188 laps, 500 miles. Qualifying will be on Saturday. No practice, just qualifying at 10.30 a.m., Followed by the race on Sunday, April 23rd at 3 p.m. Your track information, as I said, is in Tal- Talladega, Alabama. It was built in 1969. It is a super speedway. It is paved, and it's 2.66 miles long. Cautions for people will be 70 miles per hour. It's this weekend, 3 o'clock on Fox. Yes. All right. So let's uh, let's look at some guys have a good track record at this track. Denny Hamlin, among active drivers, has the best average finish in the last 10 races at Talladega. He's got a win, five top five, six top tens, 133 laps led, and he's finished nine out of those 10 races, which you always want to look at, at who's best at finishing these races because uh, you don't know when the big one's going to strike and you don't know uh, whether you'll be caught up in it. Yeah, my, my guy to watch is the one that usually calls the big wrecks and uh, Eric's favorite driver, Brad Kozlowski. Um, Brad Kozlowski is one of my guys to watch. Always super aggressive on these super speedways. Always up there challenging for the race lead and the race win. Um, he's one of my guys to watch, along with Ryan Blaney. He's won here before. He's another one of my favorites to come out and win this race this weekend. Keep an eye on Chase Elliott as well. He's got two career wins, and he won the race the last time we were in Talladega last fall. How about an underdog, Eric Almarola, has the third best average finish in the field over the last 10 races at the Super Speedway. In that time period, he has one win, three top fives, five top five top tens, and an average finish of 12.9. He's been a little bit better recently. Maybe he will carry that momentum into Talladega. My underdog team this week that I'm looking forward to is Legacy Motorsports. I think they are going to have a good weekend, and I would not be surprised if one of them steals a win here at Talladega. And Noah Gregson, Eric Jones, both I feel like are capable speedway racers, and I think they're both capable of being lucky. You have to be lucky to win this race, and you also have to, you know, make sure you're not dumb. And I know those guys can have their their moments, but I'm 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 pretty sure, I, I'm confident with that team. I feel like one of them could win. Yeah. Some guys you should avoid. I'm sorry to say this, Connor, but Alex Bowman does not have a good uh, average finish. He's got four top tens in the last 10 races here, but uh, he has also got an average finish of 20.7. He's just not 
very consistent at these types of tracks and often seems to get swept up in the in the big one. Yeah, very hit or miss for him. It's usually a luck issue more than anything. Not something he does wrong, but something that someone else does wrong and he doesn't he just can't go anywhere. So I'm hoping for another top ten. Let's just see if he can uh you know, you just gotta be there at the end, anything can happen. If you're there at the end, you got a chance of winning. Also avoid Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush has terrible luck at, at speedway racing. Oh yeah. He was uh he's not one you wanna you wanna put in your fancy lineup or anything like that this weekend. All right, let's get into some race picks uh, for this weekend's event. Uh, Eric's pick. I I would like you to try and guess Eric's pick, Connor. Hmm. You know, I know he's. You know, this has been this guy for a couple couple races this year, and um, I think it's also his favorite driver. I wouldn't be mistaken. I'm going to go with Brad Kozlowski. No way. How How did you know? How, how... I don't know. I don't know, just kind of kind of crossed my mind like that. I, I must be really smart, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so who's who's your pick? Who who do you have your eye on? Well, he's won a crap ton of races in the Xfinity series. He was part of my underdog team coming into this weekend. I'm going with Noah Gregson. Give Noah Gregson the win. Um, has you know good, you know, has good has some good success in road at uh, super speedway races in the Xfinity series. And you know what? Let's let's get him his first one. Let's get the uh, the rookie, the first rookie driver to win this year is Noah Gregson, beating out Ty Gibbs, and uh, Noah Gregson will be on his way to win Rookie of the Year. So, um, Noah Gregson is my pick. All right, Sirius gone with Eric Almarola, which I think is a pretty solid pick. I I, I I'm really uh, on the fence here, but uh, I do like you talking about Legacy Motor Club because they. Eric Jones is always up front at the end of these. So I'm going to go with Eric Jones. He was leading at the white flag of this race last year uh, before he, he made the uh, 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 bad block, uh, went in the wrong line and ended up letting Chastain by him to, to win the race. But Eric Jones gets a uh, super speedway win. He's won there before uh, with Joe Gibbs racing a couple of years ago. So uh, Eric Jones, my pick for this weekend. These are some good picks. I, I like all these picks. All these picks seem to be a guy that could win this race. So, and and they're, and they're not the big names for these guys that uh that you know really need a win. So uh, I'm really excited for this weekend. Which is exactly why it'll be someone boring who wins the race. I'm feeling. Ah, uh, what am I feeling? Seems like a Denny Hamlin too. I was about to say my right. gut feels feels like Hamlin's gonna win this thing. But, it feels like he hasn't won a super speedway in like a minute. So I feel like this is one of those, you know, great races. We got the big one. And then all of a sudden coming out of turn four, no runs, anything. It's just Denny Hamlin. Yep. Great racing all the way to the finish. We get a photo finish and he'll beat out like Corey LaJoy and um, Eric Almarola. And, and he'll beat out like a Rick Ware car who, who's almost going to win. And, it's, and everyone's going to be cheering for everyone except Hamlin. And Hamlin's going to win the race. Yep. Uh, you heard it here first. You can book that. Um, uh, uh, it would be funny if we were right. All right. Final thoughts for this weekend's, this week's episode. Uh, anything from this week of NASCAR that uh, you'd like to to say before we close it out? Yeah, I got one thing to say. This Sunday, we are one week away. Yes. One week away from being to our first race of the season, which I'm excited for. Dover. Um, going from a, you know, big time race to one of our favorite races, we get to go to it. So, 
Um, I'm I'm excited for that. Re- really excited to get through these next couple of days. Um, our, we got an award ceremony coming up, and uh, then we get to you get to go to our own race. Yeah, once we get the plaque, I'm officially changing the Twitter bio to award-winning podcast. That sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Connor, you've been doing more on the Instagram recently, correct? Yeah, I have been. was on vacation the past couple of days, so didn't really get a chance to do that, but slowly trying to ramp that up. Yes. All right. So you can go check that out again if you're following us over there. As always, check us out on Twitter. Uh, thank you to SpoilerDieCast.com, Washington on the Daily, VSN, Variety Sports Network, and 213Simware.com for supporting this show and partnering with us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you share this around and talk with your friends and family about us, and we will see you next time on the Quick Hit Podcast.